0: And welcome to another episode of For The Love Of Sports. My name is Michael Raziel. This is a show where we get to talk about sports, we get to talk about business, and we get to talk about everything in between. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, you know exactly what to do. You're on YouTube. Go click the subscribe button. Make sure to give this video a like. If you're on Apple, make sure to give us a five-star review. Say some nice words on Spotify. Five-star review. You don't even have to say any nice words. We'll just take the five-star review. More importantly, my guest today, I have Zach Litwack. I think i got it entrepreneur you got it yes all right thank god uh, i get so nervous with last names i don't want to screw them up i say it eight times before the show and then once the red lights go on i can't say them anymore uh he's the ceo and owner of savage ventures as well as rare media total frat Movie. you're probably familiar with them he was also the former cmo of outkick zach how you doing man
1: hey thanks for having me michael i'm enjoying i love talking about sports and i love your pod so thanks for having me on
0: appreciate it brother well i enjoyed working with you obviously former uh caesar's employee over here uh work with zach a little bit with some of the stuff that they're doing at savage and i thought it was pretty darn cool what they were capable of uh with just such a small team and, and such such interesting people it was really cool and appreciated that so i thought you know what let's get them on the pod let's see what happens so yeah. appreciate you coming on appreciate the kind words man of course love it so zach the first question of course that i have for everybody on the for the love of sports podcast is why do you love sports so much I forgot
1: I love sports would be the response to that. So I have played baseball growing up at a pretty high level. I thought I was going to go play D1 baseball, but I got really into music like my senior year of high school. So I went off and studied music production and was in the music business as an entrepreneur and, and producer, recording engineer for like six or seven years. And I found my way after selling that company, I found my way. Working in like startups and technology and digital media and finding love for growth hacking and digital marketing specifically. And um, fast forward five or six years after that, uh, we started Savage Ventures. And one of the first properties we got a chance to launch was called Outkick. And through that experience, I found or I remembered how much I love sports. And now we've got Savage Sports, which is a large affiliate media company focused on the U.S. Gen Z, U.S. market. And, uh, I, every time I get to work on it, it's just, it's, a, it's a reminder of how much I love sports and, and the camaraderie and the friendship and the community that's built around it.
0: Yeah. A lot of, a lot of fun stuff comes from sports, right? Like the, the ability to walk into a locker room be with the boys or the girls, right? And like have that, that, that. Community, I think was the word that you use, right? I can walk into any any bar in America and if you see if I if I'm especially not in the northeast and I see someone with a med shirt on, you absolutely know I'm gonna say something to them at some point, right? Yeah, I'll it's slam on that, the
1: brakes and scream rise up if I see a Falcon's oh, well, that's you know, bumper fine, man. sticker. That's- that's fine what is
0: it we 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 got it we got a couple games but we'll we'll uh got a couple good games coming up we'll see what happens uh should be fun down the stretch we don't need to talk too much about the mets because they usually just let me down anyway but i mean it's just that it's that embedded community that comes with sports and there's really very few other i don't want to say industries but there's very few other things that are like that right that come with this unbelievable embedded community you wear a shirt you wear a hat You say a couple words, as you said, you know, and and people know exactly what that means, no matter where you are in the world. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, it's a uniting force. In fact, rewinding to college or just after college, I remember fantasy football was a way for me to stay connected with all my high school and middle school friends as we traveled off into other parts of the world and started our adult lives. So yeah, I Mm -hmm. don't know. Through through like a six year period, I kind of got focused on music, forgot about the love of sports, and now I'm back loving it again.
0: I'm grateful. We're glad to have you back on the train, man. So it's, 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 it's an incredible ride, as you said. A, a it's an emotional coaster. roller coaster. Yes, a lot of uh, a lot of roller coasters over here uh, should be uh, should be duly noted. I think that's the important part. So I am curious. You said a couple words. Uh, you know, as you said, you you started your own business. You eventually sold it. I looked through your LinkedIn. It seems like you started about a hundred businesses. So clearly, the entrepreneurial spirit's there. Where does that come from? Where was the uh, I guess most people look at it as the 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 need or the want to not have anybody else tell you what to do.
1: I don't know, man. It, it was definitely something inside of me, whether it was genetics or a mixture of environment, probably both. My parents both worked for large companies, and they would come home like complaining about work and mm-hmm. and how they you know hate their job, and it was providing for them, and it it got them out of you know the lower middle class, which I'm obviously grateful for, and what all that. What that also allowed me to do is to kind of explore because I wasn't, you know, necessarily worried about money. Mm -hmm. Like my parents were making okay money, and eventually, uh, I would call them, you know, more upper middle class now. And so this drive to always want to start my own things and tinker and explore has always been there. So that's why I say it's probably part genetics and then seeing my parents have, have miserable work life balance, and so. It's it's yeah it's something I've always done and then uh, yes you you mentioned that I've got like a hundred jobs on my LinkedIn it's because I've tried like ninety nine times and had one mild success and now uh, much much larger success in Savage Ventures so you kind of have to fail a bunch before you make it
0: good for you man yeah I, I I totally agree with you it never made sense to me that my parents always complained about their jobs like even at a young age I was like so you're gonna do this. Like you work eight to nine hours depending on how it works every single day. You have the commute that's involved and there's two days a week that you get to enjoy yourself. Like why don't you just do something you like doing and then that way it's it's not nearly as big of a burden. Like I understand maybe you don't make as many dollars and obviously everybody's situation is different. But even from a young age, that was always something that made, you know, never made sense to me. I started my own business a few years ago. Unfortunately, COVID took that away but I'm doing some pretty cool stuff now that I'm extremely grateful for. But it was always like, yeah, I never wanted to work for, you know, the quote unquote man and, you know, have, have the, you know, be, be a slave to that paycheck that comes in every couple weeks. And it just never made sense to me, but now grateful, grateful for what I'm doing now. But it seems like we're, uh, we're coming from the same place in that, in that sense.
1: That's cool, man. Yeah. I mean, technology has changed a lot too. I don't think I could, the entrepreneurial path, I guess it's a lot easier now. Mm -hmm. You can stand up a Squarespace site and if you've got a decent product, you're going to sell something, you know, just maybe it's to friends and family at first, but like, it's not a barrier to entry. Thanks to Shopify and thanks to WordPress and thanks to even how Amazon has innovated in the in the um, as, far, as far as infrastructure and like how to set these things up, you know, drop shipping and stuff. Uh, it it they've showed the way on on they they've paved the way for all these smaller startups to kind of try to sell their own product. And and my rewind, you know, thirty years ago when my parents were trying to build their credibility in the workforce there really wasn't those opportunities so i kind of get it it's easier now i'm definitely leveraging that but i i putting myself in my parents shoes who were you know lower middle class really had no savings graduating from college just needed to make money i i get why that even if they wanted to do it it would have been a lot harder
0: that's a very good point yeah i mean i'm very grateful for the opportunity that i had it sounds like you're extremely grateful for the opportunity that you were given thank you to our parents for uh, kind of Butting the bullet on that one so we could live a little bit better lives. So uh, always always remind them of that. Uh, there's a couple things that, uh, you know, going back to your, your, one of your first comments that you made, uh, talking about growth hacking and, and really just the digital media, the digital space in general. Where, where was your passion behind understanding how to, and actually, if you don't mind, define the term growth hacking, because I think that's like very widely used, but I think people that are good at it have a, a slightly more specific reason to use those words.
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's creating a system for exponential growth when you have product market fit.
0: I love that. See, I knew it. I knew you were going to have a very thing. I actually just made, made
1: that up on the fly. The well, it sounded first, great. Print the time.
0: shirts, man. Print <laughs> yeah. the shirts. I don't know what Should. you're doing.
1: Yeah, it's a term that came out of Silicon Valley, especially when for the first time, again, due to technology and innovation, there were companies that were growing in more of a hockey stick fashion. And a lot of the growth was led by just experimentation. You know, it's finding these little quote unquote hacks. Like Dropbox is a very famous example of probably the largest referral hack ever, where they just tested giving away free memory when you referred somebody to the product. And the company went from growing, you know, five, ten percent year over year, something small, I don't know exactly what it is, don't quote me on the numbers to hockey stick growth. So exponentially hundreds of percent, thousands of percent year over year. And then obviously today it's a it's a massive company. And so the the idea of like running what I call high tempo testing or, or, running lots of little experiments to get that feedback loop going against your product. So an experiment can be running a referral test like Dropbox did, or it can be like an AB test on this landing page. It could be just testing a whole new channel, like testing Facebook ads or testing, you know, an influencer led strategy or whatever. And the more tests you can run, the more feedback you get, the quicker you can optimize. And theoretically, the faster you're going to grow the company slash sell your products.
0: What was the first growth hack that you, you were able to uh, happen upon?
1: One of an, an early growth hack was, and this was, gosh, seven, eight, maybe nine years ago, I realized that a lot of people, I was working on a vacation rental like marketplace startup. So it wasn't Airbnb, it actually it was a tool that you would use if you were managing homes or had a bunch of properties mm-hmm. listed on Airbnb. So it was earlier days Airbnb, but definitely it was like, a product and scaling and, and a real company. I realized that a lot of people were mistyping the word Airbnb in the search, in, in Google search. They were A lot of them were spelling it A-R-I-B-N-B. And so I started just bidding on that term in Google search. And we went from acquiring, you know, like a couple leads a day to like hundreds per day by just bidding on that term. And because no one else was bidding on that term in exact match fashion is what it's called in paid search, they... Um, uh, the cost per click was so low, it was, you know, a cent or two. So we went from like $20, $30 leads to like, you know, sub $1 leads all of a sudden. And that, that test um, led to other tests in that channel that paid search channel that ended up being super effective for us in scaling that product.
0: Wow, that's awesome. How did no one else happen upon that?
1: Well, the product of or the byproduct of running experiments in this fashion is you learn little things along the way that maybe aren't like causal, but they're like correlated. And it's weird how your mind works, because, no, we didn't run a test that was exactly like, oh, let's find, you know, people. Oh, people in search are misplaying the name, But we ran a test that had this idea like pop into my head or made me look at a data point that actually highlighted, oh, wow, I'm looking at these search queries for a totally different idea. But now I'm realizing that people are spelling it and B. you know, like hundreds of thousands of people a month. And so, um, I don't know, like it, it's, it, the growth hacking is simply a system to exponentially scale companies that have product market fit. That's the key you need. You know, once you have before product market fit, which is basically like, there are clearly thousands of people or in like a website's case, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people that want to read your content or watch your content. Um, it doesn't really work that way you kind of just have to show it to as many family and friends as possible and get that flywheel going
0: i might need your help on how to growth hack uh my podcast How's that sound deal let's do it love it appreciate that man i'm gonna take that as a handshake agreement there appreciate you zach um let's get into the the sports side of things so as you said you you had the opportunity to work with outkick uh for people that aren't familiar clay travis he is a uh, can I say controversial figure? He is a polarizing. That's a he's much polarizing. nicer way of saying yeah. it. I think he's a very polarizing figure. He says some things that are outlandish to some and, and totally agreeable to others. I couldn't care less. He's not my cup of tea, but teach tea his own. You enjoy what you enjoy. Where, where? How did that type of relationship come about? And how were you able to utilize your previous experiences in growth hacking to say, "Hey, I really think if we do X, Y, and Z, we're going to see that hockey step, stick type of growth."
1: Yeah, when you have. The system to do what I call high tempo testing or the system for growth hacking, you develop what are called hypotheses. It's really like taking the scientific method to running marketing experiments or any really experiments that are going to grow your business. And we had a handful of, of revenue hypotheses when we started Outkick with Clay. Um, one of them, though, was sports betting. And so we tested a bunch of different things around these different revenue hypotheses going into it. And it just so happened that the timing worked out really well for us to take this very passionate audience and monetize sports betting through it. And, and so um, I don't know where I was going with that, actually. What was your initial question? How did, you, how did with... you
0: take your, your experience through growth hacking to help apply it to OutKick to help them make a bunch of money? I yeah, guess.
1: I kind of just answered it. I mean, it's, yeah. it's like it, to grow any company quickly, you definitely need a, a system with processes underneath, which is what I've been talking the most about. And one of those processes that we run is called high-tempo testing. But there are three other variables at play. Timing has to be there. So in the case of Outkick, the timing was really good. If you think about what was happening in the world, I mean, we launched the relaunched the site like April or May of 2020, I think. COVID had just kicked in. yeah. And sports and politics and pop culture were all colliding. I mean, like a... Uh, you know like planets or solar systems just colliding and literally the site was our platform was built to talk about the intersection of those three things so and then if you if you talk about timing and sports betting too uh, we had a really large tennessee audience and this the state of tennessee went live that football season that 2020 football season and so all of these from a timing component it was perfect and then you've got to have two other things to do a company you need the right people in the right seats and we had a great group of, of initial writers that Clay recruited. And we had all of the Savage Ventures folks that were able to come in and really capitalize on this good timing. And so we had, we had the right people in the right seats. And then the third component that I haven't talked about yet is the right technology. And so while we don't build technology, we're really good at leveraging it. And so by leveraging it, it can be like how you architect like the software you build your website on, how you use like Facebook's algorithm to get more you know, users to the site how you use it, Facebook's ad platform to get more eyeballs on content and stuff like that. And so it was a, we had all this for those four components, like perfectly packaged. And that's why we were able to grow the company so quickly.
0: Yeah, I think uh, the, the timing of it, you, you, you touched upon that. But just to go a little bit deeper, right? Like so many people were at home and there was really nothing going on in terms of sports. But when it came back, like I'm in New Jersey, so I've been getting hit over the head with betting ads for, you know, multiple years at this point. But now I'm at home and I have nothing to do. So, yeah, I could throw 10 bucks on a game. Why not? Let's make yeah. it a little more interesting. And now yeah. look at me. I work for, you know, uh, one of the first sports betting exchanges that's coming to the United States. Right. So, like, there's, it's so funny how some of these, like, little dominoes uh, start to start to really fall and get you where you're going. But I think so many people, all of my friends, so many people really latched on to sports betting specifically during COVID because you couldn't go out to the bars. You couldn't go out and do anything. You could barely go out and see these games. It was just something extra to do for that little extra entertainment right and that's really all we were looking for so i totally agree with you on the timing uh and it sounds like again you had the right people making the right decisions utilizing the platforms as you said and the technology and it, it makes sense again but you understand these hypotheses and you're really putting them forward uh, it also helps again the political spectrum right where we were at and where really clay sits within that spectrum i think is very important to understand i mean some of it has to be him too right like again whether you love him or you hate him it doesn't matter eyeballs are eyeballs. So what, what is it like? I feel like I personally probably would not have been as good as that job. I probably wouldn't have made you as much money. But what is it like being able to work with someone like him, understanding that no matter what he says, eyeballs will be coming to the site. So now it's really just up to you guys and taking advantage of those eyeballs.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I talked about product market fit earlier. We had product market fit. We had an initial, you know, audience layer to really, turn the dial up to 10 is what I usually say. Like we take stuff that's like a two or three and turn it up to 10. We don't, At savage ventures. We don't invest in or acquire anything that doesn't have product market fit. It's just not in our best interest. Cause we have the very, we have these skill sets to take it from two to 10 pretty quickly. Like we did with Outkick. And so, and working with clay was interesting because he was such a hard worker. Like I thought I worked hard, dude, this guy was just didn't sleep. I don't know when he slept. And, um, and yet it was a happy marriage in that sense where he didn't really have the technical and like digital knowledge to really take his platform online and and monetize it. But he had this like very passionate audience and he, he is very um, um, knowledgeable and experienced at creating content, talking into a mic and a camera. And so again, it was a happy marriage of this like really smart, intellectual, hardworking person that built a passion audience and this group of of people that know how to take that audience and like scale the audience and then monetize the audience and provide value to the audience.
0: Yeah, exactly. You have to provide that value, right? And I know one thing that you guys did very well, you had a pretty uh, in-depth and pretty, I guess, personal relationship with FanDuel in a sense, as as you were talking about with Savage Sports, specifically what you guys are doing on the affiliate side. Uh, Sports betting and affiliate marketing go hand in hand in Europe. Nobody on the state side really understood that until it really started to blow up a little bit. Where did you get – was this an idea that you had? Was this an idea that Clay had? Where did you think, like, hey, we have the opportunity to monetize and and scale this audience, give them value through a partner of ours, i.e. FanDuel, and you guys get to make money along the way and everyone gets to be happy. Where did this, I guess, not quite idea, but where did the the impetus for this come from to say, hey, let's let's dive headfirst with one partner – and let's really knock it out of the park to make sure they're happy as well as our audience is happy, Clay is happy, and again, we're all making a couple bucks.
1: It was actually Dan Beasley, who's our chief strategy officer and also in-house counsel. He's a partner in in our new fund, too. It was actually his idea. He was like, man, we've got to launch a sports betting media company at some point. We've got to do it. It's about to go live in Tennessee, and it so happened we had big conversations with Clay earlier that year, and so or actually maybe the year before that, and so it was raised to our attention. And then when we got clarity on the Tennessee timing, we were like, this is a no-brainer. We're going to te- at least test sports betting through the platform. And it so happened because of timing and how quickly we can learn and, like, iterate and experiment. As I've talked about, we were FanDuel's top affiliate for that football season, the 2020 to 2021 football season. I mean, we we signed up a bunch of people just when Tennessee went live because of how you know, larger audience was Mm -hmm. in Tennessee and the audience again was we had a community. It wasn't really an audience. Like these were very passionate people that loved consuming our content on a daily basis. A lot of them were members of ours. You know, they paid us money every month to take part in the website comments and, and the end forums and stuff like that. And so it was um, it was an introduction obviously to the market. And, and um, when we sold Outkick, we had a bunch of brands that we intended to market, sports betting products through, but never really had the time or bandwidth to do it. And one of those was Total Frat Move, which which is a, a media conglomerate and um, focused on a Gen Z and, and very, very young millennial audience that has grown. It's about a 10-year-old company, has grown pretty organically um, f- through basically college, universities, campuses, and, and through, you know, um, localized and regional community marketing and now it's you know a big media co that has 18 to 30 year olds pretty much locked down in the united states so it's a little younger audience than outkick but this past football season we started um trying to promote sports betting products and that's actually how we met because caesars was a i think our second or third partner um in a slightly different fashion you know we did we decided not to do an exclusive deal but like we did with outkick and FanDuel. Um, We have a multi-book strategy and we're trying to build, you know, more robust relationships with more books this time. But we had a very successful football season. And so about two months ago, I was like, Total Frat Move has a brand and and we've got all these other pretty sizable assets. If you add them all together, you know, it's millions and millions of social followers, uh, just smaller like brands and Total Frat Move. Why don't we rebrand everything as Savage Sports and make this thing a real media company? That produces content for Gen Z and millennials with the focus of becoming the largest sports betting specific affiliate in the United States. And let's actually really do this thing instead of like, you know, half ass doing it, which is kind of what we did this past football season. But like I said, it was really just an experiment to, to know that we can actually do this through this audience. And so we're gearing up for football season now as we're talking. I don't know when this is going to be released, but as we're talking, we're about like two or three weeks out from like the tier two college football team starting to play each other. So we're uh, we're excited to to have a fun time this football season, getting the sports books and DFS companies and and other sports companies, a lot of users and, and happy customers.
0: And I'm so excited for those Tier 2 football games, just as an aside. Me too. Like, I'm so excited. I've wait, never been dude, so excited like, to watch, like,
1: Northwestern play Nebraska. Yeah, I think yeah, Nebraska. That's the headline I game. That's the headline game. I cannot wait <laughs> for that too. game.
0: It's going to be terrible. It's going to be terrible, and I can't wait for it. I am so pumped. But, no, 100%, man. I, uh, we're on the same page there, which is awesome. And I guess, you know, kind of some of the things that you said, definitely, you know, obviously that's how that's how we met through, uh, you know, you guys working um, with Caesars, when I was at Caesars, shout out to the team over there. They're all incredible. I love them a lot. Um, you know, just things change. People change. I moved on. It is what it is. But we still love each other, and that's the important part. I guess I'm mm-hmm. kind of curious about a couple of the things that you said. What? So I know you, with Total Frat Move specifically and some of, the other, um, some of the other properties that you guys work with, you know, you have that multi-book strategy. With Clay Travis and without Kick, you were very specific, saying, "Hey, we're going to get this one book." It just turns out it's the biggest one in the United States, right? Maybe you guys had a nice hand in that. But what, like, where, where does the idea come from of, "Hey, we think this is a property that should be with a single book, and that's going to be the year or the two years or whatever"? Versus, "Hey, we think these properties are better for multiple books, and you can utilize different things that are working over there." So, how do you guys kind of make that? Um, Make that decision on you know should you go with one should you go with many I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean we knew nothing about the market and Fanduel was very interested in the Outkick audience. They wanted to have a really good launch in Tennessee, and -hmm. so there was a lot of synergy there. If I were to go back, maybe I would have implemented a multi-book strategy. Okay. But at the time, we didn't really know much. Uh, As a you know, a growth hacker, to use that term again, I like having options, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. If you think about, and it's interesting looking at all the operators too across all the different states for some reason, and this probably has to do with like the technology requirements that the books have in each state. They're a little different and other factors as to how much the actual operator is doing their own marketing in the state. But we'll see conversion rates be a lot different. Like if just take a Bet MGM, for example, their conversion rates in one state, might be a lot higher than in another state for some reason. We also ask for user feedback as much as possible, and we'll get some direct DMs, you know, uh, from, um, it, you know, through Instagram mm-hmm. about product. Like, we like this book. Thanks for showing it to us. Or we we had trouble signing up with this book, and so we use that, you know, feedback from our users too to kind of help us prioritize. So I like having those options. Another reason to have the options too is you don't really know what operator is going to get to what state first. And so if you don't want to miss out on a state launch either. So all sense. three if you if you're with FanDuel or DraftKings you'll probably be okay in that respect, but like going into Ontario, you know, FanDuel was I think fifth or sixth or something to that market if they're even there actually. Oh no, I might be misspeaking. I haven't looked into it, but but you know what I mean like having the options I think is the right approach to take as an affiliate um for for all those reasons. And um and it gives us a chance to kind of test the products ourselves too. Like I, I'll use in Tennessee, like points bed is in here, but I really like points bed. I would probably use it more. I got to try it when I was up in New York. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, a it's a lot more fun, you know, working with more partners.
0: Yeah. More, more opportunity, as you said. And I think that's something that's very important is understanding those conversion rates specifically in, a, in an affiliate type of industry, because you're paying for the clicks, right? Now, if the click doesn't make it to the conversion, you're still paying for the click. It doesn't matter if they convert or not, right? So it's it's really understanding how you can bring as many people through that funnel not maybe as quickly as possible, but as as, um, as streamlined as possible, with le- as a few hiccups, because then that way you're going to make more money. The books are going to be happier because you're bringing on more people, which I think is important. And of course, your audience that you guys have gone after, that Gen Z millennial type audience, like I've been following Total Frat Move since I feel like I've been on Instagram, which was sometime mm-hmm. in college is when I got on Instagram, right? So you know, it's been a solid 10 years I've been following that company for. So it, it's just interesting to kind of see how that works. And, and the fact that like, the audience is continuing to get older because all the people that are still following it, right? I wasn't thirty when I started. Now I'm thirty-one, and or mm-hmm. I'm going to be thirty-one in a couple. Yeah, you're months, actually towards
1: the high end of that audience. Right? Yeah, it's like 18, yeah, 30, was, 30, was, 32. Like probably
0: one of the first. You're you were know, one of the OGs. People. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I'll take that. Nice little OG <laughs> there. But no, I mean, it's just interesting, kind of how that works, and, and you can still continue to speak to that audience over time, right? Same thing with Barstool, like. They started out as like mostly just college kids, and, and you know that was the audience. And now as they're getting older, their audience you could see is also still getting older. And they've taken a very different approach to sports betting. Obviously, they got bought by a sports betting company. Mm-hmm. So Penn National went uh, a very interesting route there. So don't have to pay affiliate fees if you just own the company, right? So there that's a go. pretty interesting. Oh, are you guys going to buy a sports betting company? Why not? Th- why not do that? That'll be pretty right. cool, right?
1: Yeah. Well, th- I think that was a really good deal you know, overall for, for I mean, the value is definitely there and sure there have been some hiccups along the way, but I tell everyone this, the market's so young. If you think about how much the market has penetrated online, at least like where you can really scale out revenue, it's, it's a fraction of the potential in the United States. And so they're going to continue to learn and continue to figure out how to monetize that property in Barstool. And it's just going to continue to grow and grow, not just as more States go live, but as they learn, and become more efficient at delivering messaging around the pen offerings.
0: Yeah, and and as we've seen, you know every sports, um, any sport game you watch, right? It's you're going to have a million different sports betting commercials, but there are still people out there within these legal states, such as New Jersey, that are still signing up every single day. I remember New Jersey's New Jersey's a great state. It's been the most. It's the most mature, but we're still seeing very good signups from a state like new jersey which is really interesting right like it takes a while for people to really accept this right it takes a while for people to be like oh okay yeah you know football season comes around how many people are going to sign up this football season specifically in new york which was only you know a couple weeks during the playoffs in the super bowl last year you know how many people are going to sign up in new york for just to bet on the giants and the jets which is ridiculous maybe bet against the giants and the jets those numbers <laughs> are going to be astronomical it's going to be absolutely yeah. amazing
1: well, as the market matures too, just like you said, I think we're still in the, like the early adopter phase, which is wild. Cause there's still a ton of people you're signing up for these apps and some of them are sticking around, both more people will sign up like the later adopters. And then those early adopters, I think their CLTV will grow over time as they, it becomes more of like an accepted practice. Cause we're signing up a lot of people that this is not Europe. Like these are the first time, unless you were doing this illegally, you know, with a bookie. Um, which is probably the minority of Mm -hmm. the users that we're bringing in like this is brand new to people they don't quite understand it and but as like any product you build a habit around it um whether it's even putting five or ten dollars on your favorite you know football team every week just for fun that's kind of what i do i'm not i I, i'm not a parlay better i'm not a uh uh, i know we have influencers you know on savage sports that are 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 big betters but i i get a lot of joy just throwing 10 20 down on the falcons um, and they, they disappoint me sometimes but it makes it a little bit more fun watching the game.
0: Well, you know, then you get to cover the spread, right? I don't see the Falcons being favored in too many games this year. So you're working with an extra couple points in yep, that case. So they can lose and you can still win your bet. And, you know, maybe you're not happy about it. They're but... really
1: good at losing by, you know, like a point to three points. So they're usually okay yeah (laughs) sounds like they're covering the spread to me man maybe i'll have to
0: take that uh follow you on tell you on some of those bets i think that'll be cool (laughs) so what like in terms of you know savage ventures and savage sports again i just want to mention the rare media one again because that's many people are familiar with rare media like it's absolutely gigantic they have some really cool people really cool content so it was it was when i saw that you guys bought it or you know i don't know exact obviously the, the details of the deal when i saw that i was like shit they're they're really going for a lot of different stuff i guess with, uh specifically on the Savage Sports side still, because you know, this is a sports podcast, with the affiliate marketing, is that mostly how you guys gain revenue? I mean, I'm sure there's some kind of banner ad bullshit that you guys are doing, but is is a significant portion of that revenue now coming from the affiliate side of things?
1: A lot of it's affiliate. We're treating it, though, like a diversified media code. So we've got brand partnership dollars. Um, we're starting to op- open up some of our uh, platforms and influencers to the operators f- to see if they want to actually add some brand dollars into it, like sponsor shows and stuff like that on top of what we're already doing for them from an affiliate standpoint. We're um, also doing that with DFS companies too. And then like a a company like Total Frat Move is partners with a ton of different types of brands in and out of sports uh, that want to get in front of a Gen Z and and now, you know, young millennial audience. Are you millennial? Yeah, 30? Yeah, 91. Yeah, Mm -hmm. okay. You're a millennial too. Um, And... And even, and we've got like micro companies inside of Savage Sports too. Like we're when we, the influencer partnerships I like better is when we actually partner with them in like a JV fashion and actually build a diversified media co around them, like launch shows, bring in brand partners. We've got at the Savage Ventures level, basically we've become really good at some of these things and we're getting a lot better at other things, but we've got performance marketers. We've got. A video production company in Savage Media that can spin up shows super quickly from production all the way to distribution. We've got partners with a lot of the big uh, social platforms. We've got partnerships with a lot of big social platforms, so we can open up monetization pretty quickly. So we've got like video monetization. If we run a dot com strategy, which Total Frat Move has a decent dot com revenue stream, but it's actually like with Rare and American Songwriter and our other companies, it's actually and without Kick even, it was a much larger revenue stream. But we, so I be, basically, what I'm trying to say is we've got all the pieces to make it a diversified company and I would never want it to be, you know, a hundred percent affiliate. Like I want it to be mm-hmm. uh, a, a decent chunk of affiliate. As I mentioned earlier, like that's our goal is to help the operators acquire more users both in, in quantity and quality, but it's less risky when you have all these other revenue streams built out. And so we're treating it like a real media company, but our focus is on sports betting and, and now daily fantasy monetization too
0: yeah and as you said it's still such a such a young market it's still such a nascent market like right it, it's only been a few years here in new jersey New York, it hasn't even, you know, it's been like nine months. New York's one of yeah, the biggest states. Right. Is it even four years right? old
1: yet? I forgot when the first state went live. It was maybe about three. Half, years May of
0: 2018 ago. was when uh, Passport was repealed, and mm-hmm. then a couple months later, New Jersey came around. So I want to say it's right about four years in New Jersey, yep. which is not a lot of time at all, right? They've been betting since like the early 2000s on the internet in Europe. Right. Yeah. So like they're, you know, mold, and it's it's part of their culture. Right. And I think it's going to become part of our culture, mostly because the sports betting companies carry so many dollars. Right. So every segment is, is sponsored by DraftKings, FanDuel, Caesars. And you're going to see a commercial every once in a while. right? And it's just going to start getting, uh, you know, so so many people are just going to become almost numb to it that it's not a big deal anymore. And that's just kind of what you do. And I think and this is a really funny one. I just saw Kroger's, which is uh, a, a, a Midwest supermarket just applied for a sports betting license, so that they could put kiosks <laughs> up in their stores. Yeah, so we in have Kroger down here. Yeah, yeah. Okay, in so in Ohio, when it goes legal, they're 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 applying to have kiosks, so people can go into the stores and place bets in the stores. Like it's going to become just second nature pretty soon, and I think you know the industry is ripe to continue to explode. It's not anywhere near mature at all yet.
1: Yeah, that's that's what excites me about Savage Sports the most is that we are. In, in a market that we love, that we're getting really good at, and it's still very young. There's a lot more, lot more to grow. And but being diversified is important with any business, whether that is with a media company like Savage Sports or Rare or American Songwriter, or any of our, or 24/7 Health. We have a healthcare vertical too. It's extremely important to not be solely relying on one revenue stream because one, like platform change or an operator operator society not to do like promos around Super Bowl or whatever it is, uh, could really ruin your p and l and so it's it's we're constantly testing other revenue streams if we don't have one established and we're constantly testing um how to grow revenue streams for the already established one we do a mixture of both
0: i love it man you're super smart you know what you're doing as you said it took a couple tries but uh sounds like you know what you're doing and you kind of have all these pieces laid out and excited to see what you guys can turn savage sports into inside the entire savage ventures how big you can get that thing because it seems like you guys are well on your way it's pretty incredible
1: yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, it's been a like a, like you said, a long journey getting here. Uh, I finally have uh, we we finally have put are putting the pieces together to make it a a real company that you know creates massive impact for many many people both financially and and culturally. And so yeah, it's it's what I think about when I can't sleep at night. And so I think that's a good sign.
0: I guess that is a good sign. Yeah, I want to make sure that I, I do mention one thing, and I'm curious. I want to hear your explanation of it. What does creating one billion dollars in enterprise value mean?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. So that's our, our short term financial goal. It's, it's a short um, term. A billion
0: dollars yeah, is short term. Good for you guys.
1: Yeah, we've we've created about four hundred and fifty million so far collectively among the partners, and so we're we still have obviously a lot to go. Um, enterprise value means a mixture of how much you sell a company for. So that if you sell an asset, obviously there's real value, real enterprise mm-hmm. value there, like we did with Outkick, for example. And then you have also the um, enterprise value, like the conservative enterprise value of your portfolio, your assets. And you add those two things together, and we want that to be a billion dollars. We're still not sure like how long we're going to hold assets on average, but our general thesis is we're just going to grow companies like we never have to sell them. And then eventually someone will probably come and buy it. And if no one does, well, we'll still continue to grow it profitably and healthy.
0: Yeah, it sounds like you, you've put a lot of processes and systems in place to make sure that, as you said, you're growing these things in a, a net positive manner, right? Like so many startups, it's just acquire as many users as possible. Who cares if we have a loss? When in reality, you should probably care if you have a loss. You, you want to be profitable because if you're profitable good things happen right and and you're not at the at the whim of investors you're not at the whim of the markets if you're making money man you're making money who cares if someone comes in and buys it sounds like you guys are going to be just fine either way but hey if someone wants to give me a billion dollars I'll have that conversation right? we, yeah
1: we might take it if someone offers us a billion dollars for just knock out the goal in one one uh there you go. one acquisition not yeah bad. and that's a good point is we don't haven't taken on outside capital to date it's all funded by the partners and um, that, that was a thesis we had early on. We are um, entertaining doing a small fund just for the healthcare vertical because there's just intense opportunity there. And like the deal flow is, has just been, you know, a lot more than what we're used to and maybe what we're comfortable with. I'm not sure. TBD on that front, but generally speaking, yeah, we want to control our own destiny, have ultimate skin in the game, and, and kind of go down with the ship if it doesn't work out.
0: Well, it's not, or, or go up with the rocket ship to the moon. Yeah. Let's, or, let's, or just stay yeah. afloat. <laughs>
1: yeah, I like <laughs> that. Meantime. I like that a little
0: bit more. Good stuff, Zach. Well, this has been awesome getting to understand a little bit more about what you're doing and how you're doing. I think it is pretty darn cool. Again, we've, we've worked together in the past, so it's nice mm-hmm. to have a little bit of extra insight into what you guys are doing and how you're doing it. So shout out, uh, shout out the whole Savage sports team too. you know, everyone that I got to work with Max Joe. I mean, I'm missing a couple people as well, but all good people. I uh, appreciate working with them and hopefully again soon, uh, for being remiss, I work with Profit Exchange now, first U.S. betting exchange. Very excited about that. Maybe yeah, I was uh, going to we'll mention continue. that. I think Joe's
1: yeah. been talking to you mm-hmm. potentially. Yeah, so no, we'll I just started
0: just... a couple days ago. So oh, he's been gotcha. talking to a couple other members on the team. So don't worry, I'm going to be taking over those conversations soon. I'm very excited about it. Yeah, I'm um, excited, but,
1: man. Like I said, yep. we'll we'll definitely run some experiments and see what happens if if uh, maybe we'll be scaling it this football season. When are you all launching? Uh... Let's uh let's talk about that offline. How's that okay, about? sounds good.
0: <laughs> good stuff, but no, Zach, this has been absolutely awesome. Where can we find more about you? Where can we find like follow you? Follow whatever you got. Give me some websites, some social handles, so people know about it.
1: Yeah, savage.ventures is the website, and on that website you can click through. I like, can see all the portfolio companies, and that's where Savage Sports Lander lives now. Also, although we're talking about maybe bringing that on to its own site if we can acquire the domain, um, and then I'm I, I'm not on social a lot because I'm on it all day for our companies. Yeah, right? Your brain. Yeah, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. I have, have, yeah, two kids too, so it's like I I wouldn't have any time left in the day. But I am on LinkedIn. You can find me, Zach Litwack, on LinkedIn. You can find Savage Ventures on LinkedIn. I'm most active on that platform. I'll pop into Twitter just to check DMs occasionally. It's at Zach Litwack. Luckily, I have a unique name, so I can capture these things on the socials, even though I'm really late to them. Yeah, those are the three places I'd reach out to me on
0: i love it i'll make sure all those are in the show notes so everyone can get a try check out some of the cool stuff that you guys are doing um but zach this has been awesome man i sincerely appreciate it time's the only thing we don't get more of so i appreciate you coming on here giving me a little bit of yours and obviously the audience giving them some of your time and letting them listen i uh, appreciate them as well but other than that man this has been great really yeah appreciate thanks it, thanks
1: again michael man, i've enjoyed listening to some episodes it's fu- it's cool going on a podcast because you do- you don't really know what you're getting into but then if you're going on it you actually start to listen to it and build a habit around it and so it's definitely one of the 10 i'm gonna play while i'm warming up at the gym
0: i appreciate that man yeah your arms are looking pretty big too so i'm sure you're doing a lot yeah. uh quick 40 minutes right that was a nice quick 40 so doesn't get any better than that so appreciate you man appreciate everybody hope everyone has a great night thanks everyone yeah.